0: Welcome to Double Truck Stories, the home to some of the best features, investigations, and character portraits from across ESPN. I'm Mike Philbrick, your host for the Double Truck Stories podcast. Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When Naomi Osaka takes the court, her job isn't to recognize the gravity of the moment. Her job is to remember to be Naomi Osaka. And that person is a self-described nerd who possesses not only the physical skills to dominate a tennis tournament, but as a balance you don't find very often. It's one where she knows she's not bigger than the game, but she also knows she's big enough to play the game with anyone. So what happens when Destiny becomes a reality and she takes down superstar Serena Williams in the U.S. Open final? Well, even in the middle of a life-changing moment, if Naomi Osaka is being Naomi Osaka, she apologizes. Stick around after the story for my conversation with ESPN writer Ashwarya Kumar as we talk about how the path to sustained success needs to be paved with humility. Now we present Getting to the Heart of Naomi Osaka's Success by Aishwarya Kumar.
1: It's the biggest day of Naomi Osaka's life. She's about to play her first Grand Slam final in a few hours. And she can't eat a bite of food. She can't even go near anything that smells like food. The mere thought of it makes her want to throw up. She woke up and found she sweat through her shirt. She spent hours pacing her hotel room and repeatedly called her sister, Mari, who tried to get her to think of the final as just another match. I yelled at her and said, What do you mean, just another match? It's a Grand Slam final, and it's Serena, Naomi recalls in her unique way of remembering conversations. But how is it the same Osaka, who couldn't keep food down mere hours before, stepped out onto the court for the final and handle the controversies which surrounded it to beat her opponent, and not just any opponent. If you have followed her on the main stage over the past year, it might not make any sense. Off the court, she shies away from people and conversations. She's self-admittedly nerdy and loves playing video games into the wee hours of the night. She gets nervous before big matches. She apologizes a lot. She goes on random trains of thought and calls her brain weird. She's shy and funny, especially in press conferences. She's such a perfectionist that she just gets down on herself and is too hard to herself. So I have to be the contrast to do that. Sasha Bajan, Osaka's coach and former hitting partner to the stars, Serena Williams, Carolyn Wozniaki, to name a few, told reporters earlier this year, if she's too negative, I have to go and say, It's okay, the earth is round, the grass is green, and we keep moving on. But in general, she's more hard on herself than she should be. For a 20-year-old to stay this humble, I mean, we went to the movies celebrating Indian Wells victory. On the court, a sense of calmness washes over her. She loves it when 20,000 people are watching her smash point after point and when fans scream out words of support. She thrives when the crowd is against her. It all motivates her to play her best tennis. I'm not an attention seeker, Osaka says, but whenever I play tennis, I feel like it's something that I'm really good at and it's something that I know. Not that it's a talent, but that I have worked on it for so long, I want people to watch. That paradox has so far worked for Osaka, it is also what will propel her to become one of tennis's biggest stars. Hours after her 6-2-6-4 victory against Williams, Osaka walked into the players' lounge, U.S. Open trophy in hand, looking dazed and clearly overwhelmed by the number of reporters and organizers who were seated around the table, ready to pepper her with questions. Bajin, who had just received his U.S. Open trophy, the coach of the winning player receives it later in the day, walks around and shows off his prize. My trophy is here, he says loudly. She looks at him and smiles. Normally, I don't... No offense, you guys. I don't really like being surrounded by people, she says. When one journalist asked her if she was worried about what her idol Serena would think of her after beating her for the second time this year, Osaka said, Oh God, I'd never thought of it that way. I hope Serena isn't mad at me or something. Isn't it like raising a kid, though? The kid grows up with you, and then you're looking at the kid like, Wow, I'm proud of you. And then you're cooking something in the kitchen and then the kid suddenly comes and cooks better than you. I don't know. She trails off. I'm sorry. And it wasn't the first time she apologized during the roundtable conversation. Even during the award ceremony after her victory, one of the first words she said was sorry. I know everyone was cheering for Serena, and I'm sorry it had to end like this. But Osaka's ability to compartmentalize so early in her career was one of the factors that led to her first career Grand Slam title. After her stellar run at Indian Wells in March, when she dropped just one set to win her first major tournament, Osaka had a bit of a slump, losing three straight matches in Washington, D.C., Montreal, and Cincinnati leading up to the U.S. Open. She recalled crying in the locker room after each match, thinking she was a lousy tennis player. But she said she needed to experience failure to succeed again. She had to let go of the past and just do what she does best. Hit the tennis ball and have fun while doing it, she says. Then she arrived at the Open. Even before she hit a single ball in Flushing Meadows, experts and coaches expected her to make a breakthrough, and soon. So Yoshi Yoshitani, a sports reporter with Kyodo News, predicted Osaka would become the first Japanese player to win a Grand Slam. Kei Nishikori told reporters early on in the tournament that Osaka was playing great tennis and had it in her to beat the top players. I hit with Serena almost every day for eight years, and Naomi's weapons are just as big, Bajin said during a press conference leading up to the event. She's not afraid of center stage either, and that's why I believe she has greatness within her. During her quarterfinal match against Arina Sabalenka, Osaka gestured with her hands and mumbled to herself after going down a break 2-1 in the third set. She was clearly mad that she had made several forehand errors. Fans started to leave Louis Armstrong Stadium. But Osaka followed to break Sabalenka back 2-2 and went on to win the set and the match, 6-3, 2-6, 6-4. Against Madison Keys in the semi-final, Osaka saved 13 breakpoints and ended up beating the American in straight sets. You keep fighting, trying to get the breakpoint, and then for her to come up with some of the shots? It was difficult, he said of Osaka after the loss. But you you are in that match and you think, okay, she's going to let up eventually. She didn't, so all credit to her. For a first-time semi-finalist on a big stage and all that, it was really impressive. She held her nerve the entire time, never really had any kind of slip-up. Throughout the final against Williams, Osaka said she thought to herself, what would Serena do whenever she played a shot? She was also realistic about her expectations. She told herself, this is not over just because I'm leading. Serena's going to come back as she has thousand times before. She says that thought process made her take every point seriously because not doing so felt like a disrespect to the greatest athlete who ever played the sport. It's silly to make comparisons, but Osaka makes you feel the same way you do while watching Williams. It's not over until the players shake hands. If Osaka is down 15-40 at match point, you still find yourself thinking she's going to pull this off. When Caroline Wozniacki won the 2018 Australian Open, headlines read, That was a surprise. When Simona Halep won the 2018 French Open, experts said, "Finally." Even when Angelique Kerber won 2018 Wimbledon, the odds still didn't have her winning the U.S. Open. But when Naomi Osaka won the 2018 U.S. Open, experts' immediate reaction was, "This is it. This is the next star." Still, whether she has one Grand Slam or ten, Osaka says she's still going to feel slightly uncomfortable whenever she walks into a press conference. It's going to feel surreal holding any trophy and it's going to feel great playing in front of a huge crowd. None of those conflicting things are going to change just because of a Grand Slam title. I will always stay the same person. I don't know how to be any other way, she says.
0: Joining me now is ESPN international writer, Aishwarya Kumar. Hi. Thank you for coming. This was a great piece. I think that this was, you really brought great attention to a moment where everyone's eyes were elsewhere in talking about Naomi Osaka and the U.S. Open final. But this seems like it was a story that was bound to happen, like the way she played the game, and you actually mentioned this in the piece, like a win of this magnitude was not, oh, wow, she won. It was sort of bound to happen. Now, while many in her camp feel this way, do you feel that she feels this way as well?
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, Mainly because every time you talk to her, first of all, she's hilarious to talk to during the press conference. And second, um, I think there's some kind of clarity about her. She goes into every match, she says, thinking that she has a chance to win. She never goes goes into a match thinking, all right, let, let me give this my best shot and see what happens, mm-hmm. right? So every time you talk to her and ask her this question, did you think you could actually win? She Every time she answers, yeah, I actually thought I would win. And I would never go into a match thinking any other way.
0: See, that's impressive. And then there was that match, the match, where all the headlines from it. I remember I was somewhere where I was at an event where I didn't know, I wasn't able to watch it, but everything on my phone that I was getting had nothing. I didn't even know who won because I forgot. I'll be honest. I forgot she was in the final and everything was Serena, Serena, Serena. And now I know you didn't mention it in your piece, which I found compelling and refreshing because it took so much away from this, her moment. And as Osaka ever talked about it or her camp talk about like did they bring it up afterwards in your experience with them or was it just like we're just going to focus on what happened.
1: Well uh, so initially right after the the win um, Osaka was was kind of like I didn't know what was going on it kind of it. it so to be honest I was um courtside um, mm-hmm. up. up On floor two, and it was really confusing. Nobody could hear what Serena was saying. Nobody could hear what was going on uh, when the code violations were called. So um, Naomi said that she didn't actually understand most of it, and and she also said that as a child she was told uh, to never focus on anything that was happening outside of tennis on the court. Mm -hmm. So she kind of turned around and like faced the wall for a little while when the whole thing was happening. Um, and um immediately after too at the press conference she was kind of like you know what I don't know what happened my respect for Serena will never ever change she's my idol she's the reason I play the sport Um and she kind of just did her thing she talked about her game she talked about uh, you know she was emotional during the press conference Um she said that when she went and hugged Serena it felt like she was a kid again because mm-hmm. she was so composed and so um, calm through the whole thing and the minute it was all over it was like she was a child looking at her idol um, and getting an opportunity to hug her, um, which was interesting. But yeah, so she was, she kind of played it off. Like she didn't understand, which I believe because it was super confusing to kind of figure out what was happening.
0: But also at the same time, while it was confusing what was happening and there are people that have opinions that like, well, Serena, you broke the rules and you were wrong and you should have been a little more professional um, what didn't come out until later was Osaka did reveal on Ellen when she said, "Oh well," when she came up to me, she and hugged her as you said. She said, "I want you to know the booing is not you that you won," which I think we're rede- it didn't come out until later, but that redeemed Serena a lot. I felt for that, but um, but then you go back, you know, this like this balance with Naomi Osaka about like calm and doubt and self doubt and confidence and all that. You open with that call from her sister, and, you know, the next match is no big deal. Like, she, how much does she need those calls, or can, is she kind of balanced on her own?
1: Um, I think it helps that she can make those calls, especially because her sister is also a tennis player. So to be able to have that intimate connection with somebody who plays a sport and is, you know, your sister is um, essential, I think. Uh, but I also think what's super interesting about Osaka is that she's just that she's just a contradiction mm-hmm. as a person. And it's the minute she steps on the court, you watch her with no context. Had you just walked in on the semifinal, quarterfinal or final mm-hmm. with no context, you would think she's done this like 10 times in the <laughs> past. Like there is so much calmness about her that she radiates. And um while I think it's important to have those phone conversations, I also think that this is just who she is. That's her personality. And she just like has that like Clear line as to who she is when she can't eat food when leading up to the tour, uh, to the biggest match of her right. life and when she's on court she's smashing every point and not giving Serena a chance and you're moving her so much on the court that you kind of think wait have they swapped roles like what right, is happening right exactly.
0: now now do you f- but do you feel that she needs like in order to walk out with that calm you talk about where like she can just once she hits like her feet touch the court it's like. Peace, I'm fine, and I'm gonna go do what I do. Can she do that? Do you feel without these moments of self-doubt and negativity that she experiences?
1: Probably like, she, not. Like,
0: is she needs like the other part of her brain to like be like, hey.
1: Yeah, I think it's a 50-50, right? I think like the self-doubt pushes her to be her best self. And because she push because it's she's her best self, she's always in self-doubt. Because she So even Sasha, her coach, talked a lot about how he has to calm her down sometimes because mm-hmm. she's always kind of so hard on herself. And um, is so humble that never will she go out thinking she will think that she has a chance to win, but she'll never go out thinking this is my game or like this is I'm going to win this easily. Right. Um, So I think that is exactly her, that that 50 50 that she has, that self-doubt that she has leads to her being that the best of herself on Mm -hmm. the court. And we're seeing that she's 20 and she's doing so well.
0: But it also seems like in a way you could say that she's two different people because here she is, Arthur Ashe Stadium, you were there. There's a lot of people there and there's a lot of cameras and it's live and she knows it's being on, it's on TV and everything, but yet gets the trophy, goes to the press room and says, no offense, everybody, but I don't really like being around people. So it almost seems like, like that's what she needs. Like she needs to be two completely different people.
1: Absolutely. That was so interesting. So this was during the players lounge conversation that, mm-hmm. um, we had with her. Um, and she came in, first of all, like she looked clearly like dazed and confused and was like, Oh my God, what are these people doing here? I just had the biggest moment of my life. And she sits down and like the first thing she says is, I don't like being surrounded by you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, well, she apologizes a lot too. Um, um, so it's like, it's super interesting. She is absolutely a contradiction, um, in the sense that she off the court, does not enjoy people. Mm-hmm. So does not enjoy being surrounded by people. But the minute she steps on the court, she loves the 20,000 people that were at Artharash the other day. She said she absolutely cherishes the big stage because she, she works really hard at her sport and wants people to see it. And she knows it's not, it's not overconfidence, she says. She says that because it's hard work and she knows she's good at it, she wants people to be a part of that. And she also mentioned that because for a long time she played at tournaments where nobody was around, Mm -hmm. it kind of feels, she feels validated when there are people around her just like being a part of that big moment in her life.
0: Right. Now this, now that she's won, this is sort of, you know, this is a major in a sport where you're defined by how many of these you win. So this is the real test. I mean, while you could have looked at her potential and been like, well, look how humble she is and how she balanced and how well she handles it. I mean, if she loses that game, as I've uh, if she loses that game, she doesn't get a video message from her crush Michael B. Jordan that Ellen helped set up and suddenly she's on you know you know network television but I guess the question is while she's prepared to really handle this how how do you think she will really handle all this?
1: I think she'll remain the same she'll she's gonna be that awkward nerdy kid that loves to play video games and is going to be shy um sort of embarrassed to be herself but also kind of you know is funny in a way that's like really quite unique um and will crack these like really like one-line jokes that will (laughs) make you want to laugh through the whole thing and i think that's one of the things she said she said she doesn't know how to be any other way she's going to be uncomfortable around people outside the court she's going to love playing in front of like fifty thousand people if she gets a chance and i think um that ability to be that nerdy and shy and embarrassed human off the court Mm -hmm. and that calm and composed human on the court will probably remain the same. And I don't see that changing just because she's won a title now.
0: So it seems like it's a control thing. Like you can mentally prepare yourself, you know, any of us like, Oh, when I go to this family event, there's going to be a lot of people there. So I'm kind of prepared for it, but it's the times when you're not prepared for it. Like you're not prepared. I don't know what questions you're going to ask me. I don't know what's going to happen when I walk down the street. And it seems that it's where it's one of calm, but part of calm for a lot of people is control. So it does seem like it's a control thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, like you know, you know, you have those moments where you're super nervous, mm-hmm. but when you start doing that thing, that you kind of know that you you have this under control. You know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. And I think that's what it is for her. She's like, she's so good at tennis, and she's so good. It's not just her smashing the ball. It, she has a rotation to the ball that kind of reminds me of Nadal sometimes, because the ball kind of goes up in the air a little bit more than it does, for, like with Keys and Serena, because mm-hmm. they all smash the ball straight up. It's just pace. With her, it's rotation plus pace. So my bigger point is, I think she knows she's really good at what she does, Mm -hmm. and I think um, really um, people who are geniuses, people who are great at what they do, are nervous leading up to it, but when they start doing it, I think they realize that they're good at it, and their brain kind of switches, and that's what's happening with her.
0: Yeah, because also you find that the people, the line between potential and fulfilled potential is someone who is insecure enough to know that they need to take everything seriously along the way. And the back of all that with Osaka, as you mentioned, is this unheard of humility for someone at this level where and you made a point of in the story about how she said she had to take every point seriously because she felt that would have been disrespectful to Serena Williams. Now, is that sort of how she was coached, in your opinion, or by who you were able to experience how she grew up?
1: Um I think it's a bit of both uh, a lot of the time even even when the whole controversy was happening as I mentioned earlier she was constantly just trying to not look at what was happening she was turned around she was looking at the wall so I think in her head um it's the person she's playing it's the opponent at that point and to give her 100% to whoever it is she's playing because anything less is a disrespect in her mm-hmm. in her mind and I think that comes from being raised in that kind of like Practicing so much, giving yourself to tennis so much so that um, anything that's not 100% is not okay. So I think Mm -hmm. that's that's how she approaches it.
0: So, I mean, she admits to being slightly uncomfortable when she's being praised in a conference, press conference. And that seems with a lot of people of this ilk, like that's the key, like whether it's a good writer or a good actor or anything where... Once they start uh, listening and being like, "Oh, that's exactly what I thought you say," agreeing with the with the praise, like that's sort of where things sort of tend to fall off for a lot of people. So it seems as long as she can do that, like she can conquer anything. Absolutely, and and so yeah, there's a drive, and she. I mean, is, with all this humility, though, there's still a drive there. She's still a professional athlete, but is she? Do you find that she's grounded enough that she would be at peace if? For whatever reason she did not become the next tennis superstar.
1: Um I strongly believe that she's going to be the next next tennis st- superstar. Sure.
0: But if for whatever happens that she didn't sure. like if I mean if she got injured or like you just find that for some reason, you know, some people just, you know, they don't they can't sustain it as long as they want to. But would she be at peace with what she's been able to do?
1: I think so. Um, just cause, um, I think the way she, based on observations, the way she approaches tennis is so, it, this, there's a purity to it. There's an innocence to it. Um, where she's like, she gives herself to the game, right? So in, in, according to her, if she, if she's able to win a grand slam, she's able to win a major tournament, that itself is a huge deal. And I think then maybe not become the next biggest thing. Um, I think she'll be okay with that just cause uh-huh. I think, I think, I think she, um, will try her best to rebound from whatever it is that has caused her to not be the best, I think. Because even um, after Indian Wells, where she won this Mm -hmm. year, she lost three straight first rounds in Montreal, D.C. and Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And she told us that she just sat in the locker room and cried through it because she thought she just was not a good tennis player. But then I think her ability to like compartmentalize is so good that I think, okay. so the bigger point is I think she will try to rebound from whatever it is that has stopped her from not being the next yeah, should that happen, Right. star. Uh, but I think um, she will be okay with whatever she can achieve because she realizes how difficult it is and she talks about it in like a very humble polite, like every Grand Slam is going to be great and going to be surreal to me because um, everybody wants to get there, right? Every tennis player wants to achieve that.
0: So you talk about how she jokes and the one-liners are great, but when I was um, part of, I mean, I didn't see that before, but Harkening back to an earlier part of early age of tennis. She reminded me a little bit of a Pete Sampras in a way of someone who could never really be as big as he should have been because of the fact that he didn't, he didn't bring this like, here we go personality everywhere he went. Like it was almost like kind of a joke that he was so quiet. Do you think while her game is probably going to rack up a lot of titles, do you think she'll have, be able to have some sort of corresponding personality to be a superstar?
1: I think that's a super interesting question because I think she's awesome off the court too. Like, even though she's shy and nervous, she's so funny and has this kind of, everybody is laughing during press conference. Journalists are laughing. She Mm -hmm. is laughing. She has these one-line questions that she throws back at you when Mm -hmm. somebody asks a question and she doesn't know the answer to it. So I think that's what sets her apart from like, say, a Simona Halep or a Madison Keys is that Mm -hmm. she's super interesting off the court and has a great personality. And even though she's shy and sort of quiet, she's not boring. Every time you walk out of the press conference or any interview that you watch with her thinking, wow, that was really funny and like sticks with you. It's memorable. So I think that that's why it's super interesting to follow her. That's why she's fascinating because she's so funny off the court.
0: Well, we'll definitely be watching her for a lot of years. Aish, thank you so much for your time.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Remember to subscribe to Double Truck Stories Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Double Truck Stories Podcast.